0: Welcome back, everybody, to Artist to Artist podcast presented by Artist Republic. This week, we're bringing on actually one of Christian's boys, um, so I'm going to actually let him intro this one, and then we will hop him right in.
1: Great. Yeah, so uh, the person that we're bringing on, his name is Mark Dedrickson, um, a.k.a. Farco. Um, He's a music producer who was born and raised in New Jersey, and he is a producer, so let's let him come in and let him talk all about remixing songs and getting those songs onto
2: Spotify playlists. Hey, what's up, man? What's up, guys? You can you, you can hear me and everything? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Cool. I'm
1: liking that chin hair, man.
2: Oh, dude, thanks, man. I'm going <laughs> like I'm going full like Tom Hanks and Castaway right now. I'm just not shaving or anything.
0: I yeah, I was, I was looking at mine this morning and I was like, should I do it? And I was like. And i think people understand
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah i feel like a lot of people are doing that right now yeah yeah, yeah. so so mark this is nick he's the
1: ceo of artist republic um, nick if you want to introduce yourself tell him a little bit
0: about it yeah so 100% so i mean first mark what's your what's your instagram username
2: uh farco music f a r c o
0: um, let me i feel like i feel like i've dm'd you before
2: <laughs> yeah yeah you dm me um yeah <laughs> you slid in my dms about the uh
0: like... oh i just slid in your dms again today <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> um nice. yeah no 100 sorry you're on my kill list um no, you good. <laughs> but uh but yeah man so basically artist public um yeah so I mean, I've been in the music industry for a while now, which is why you're on my DM list probably. Um, But basically, you know, worked in the marketing side of the industry, worked in the entertainment side of the industry uh, with live shows, realized there was a lot of problems in the music industry and was like, hey, there's got to be a better way to run the independent side of the music industry. Um, And really what I started visualizing about two years ago is a completely centralized platform that allows a music artist to do everything that they would need to do by themselves without needing to hire a manager or a booking agent or a record label to do it for them. Um so if you wanna distribute music, you wanna, you know, sell a track, you wanna buy vocals, you want to book a show, you want to market your music, whatever, we do it all. Um and that's basically what Artist Public is. Um basically around the idea of this podcast, it's you know, really, I don't even know what it, Christian, what episode are we even on?
1: <laughs> we're on we're this is this episode, line. this is 12. This is episode 12.
0: Okay. So yeah, so really now, you know, 11 episodes, really what it is is we're bringing on different artists from all around the country every single week and just kind of having a conversation and just, you know, talking about music, talking about the industry, um, you know, to build the connection here, but more importantly, hopefully build a connection to everyone that's listening to us on YouTube and Spotify and, you know, Apple Music and all this stuff so that across the globe hopefully there's some artist out there that's listening to this and they're like oh shit i connected to that and i want you know that helped me um and that's kind of the idea it's been the idea of the platform it's the idea of the podcast um i know it's great for me and christian because especially me like i'm working with software developers every day i'm a music guy um so you know i like to get back and talk to music people um but but yeah so that's basically that um Usually we let first questions go to whoever invited the guests. So Christian, you're on first.
1: Yeah. So Mark, I kind of know the answer to this, but everyone who's listening probably doesn't. Um, and I know you have a bunch of different remixes kind of in the can on SoundCloud, um, so on Spotify. You know, who are some of the artists that you've done remixes for? And follow up to that would be, you know, have you appeared on any of their certified remix playlists, things like that?
2: yeah so um right now i have all unofficial remixes unfortunately i was i've I've been doing remix competitions and stuff like that but i never got selected for anything like that i've done two friends i've done justin caruso i've done uh havana you know the song havana with uh young thug and Camilla cabello um but yeah the the hardest thing is putting music out like unofficial remixes and worrying about them copywriting it and taking it down, you know what I mean? Cause I actually did that for you remember two years ago when the, the Walmart kid video blew up? I actually made a remix of that and it was doing really well. Like definitely the best remix I've ever done. And um it got taken down for copyright that um like a week after it. And I didn't know this at the time, but I already had a strike previously which is when like uh, soundcloud um recognizes an unofficial remix or something like that so they give you a strike and three strikes you're just banned for life so damn i didn't know that that kind of discouraged me from putting out remixes or like bootlegs unofficially um so actually for the last remix i did the two friends one i uh I got permission, thankfully, from them. It wasn't, unfi- it wasn't official, but it was, they were like, we're not gonna take it down, we're not gonna copyright you, which is huge for me.
0: Okay, so going into that, so artists can kind of understand it, um, is like, so how to, from your understanding, like how does the copyright systems work? Does the artist get notified and then they choose to come after you? Like, you know, how should an artist go about putting out remixes and handling that copyright issues?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. I know there's some strategies to kind of decrease your chances of getting taken down. Like I know, especially for like EDM mixes and stuff like that, they usually leave like a 30 second space before any sound. Because I think maybe the algorithm picks up the first 30 seconds or listens to the first 30 seconds. Or if there's any, you really want to make sure there's no part of the original song in your song like like no part of the original recording you can have like acapellas that should be okay but any like if you ever have like a a remix where you have a part of the original song you're either going to have to change the pitch of it or change the timing of it um but the the algorithm is getting like more advanced every day so it's really tough to kind of navigate that
0: yeah yeah 100% Yeah.
1: And so kind of shifting away from like the business aspect of it, I kind of want you to talk a little bit about your creative process when it comes to remixing your music. You know, I'm sure a lot of people who are getting into producing want to remix songs and and they might not know how to go about doing that kind of thing. So from your experience, you know, where do you sit on that?
2: My process has definitely changed. Um, Originally I would remix songs that, you know, I was really into at the time that I know like the ins and outs of all the production and stuff like that, but now my process is I don't listen to the original at all, because then I, I don't want that to influence what I'm going to make. you know, so I just look for acapellas online and whatever I find, or any even like official remix competitions on certain websites. Um, I never listen to the original track anymore because I don't want that to influence me in any way. Um, so, yeah, usually I just build it off of just the vocal track and um, just try to make something creative from there.
1: Cool. That's um, cool. I like that. Yeah, it's a. It's kind of like for me on, uh, you know, photo, video, creative side of things is I really don't like to have reference work because, like you said, I don't want it to influence the final product. Um, you know, I don't want to, like, compare if that's –
0: if that makes sense. It's a yeah. just, I, opposite with branding and like branding and everything. You want your stuff similar to what other people are doing. Yeah, From like the subconscious of like comfortability and stuff like that. It's like a, a, everyone has the same color schemes and stuff like that. Yeah,
2: it's tough because you have your influences and you want to like that's what it is for producers at least. Like the process of like when you're first starting out, you're just trying to learn how to. Work the program, you know what I mean. And then once you learn the ins and outs of that, you're trying to emulate artists that you like. So you start making music that sounds very similar to that. And then like the next step after that is like making your own personalized like music, combining different influences and uh, like different genres that you like, and um, not copying them, but just taking like different techniques or like different um, I don't know, like core progressions or anything like that and kind of just fusing it all together and making your own little creation, you know. So
1: I was curious. Um, I know you've worked with Jilly a lot. Um, she's like one of your main collaborators. Love Jilly. Um, when you produce, um, I know when we first met you were kind of leaning more into the um, like edm producer side of things, and I know as time has gone on, um, you've told me that that has changed a little bit here and there, um, whereas more producing for songwriters, singer songwriters. Um, so where do you draw the line in that, and you know how do you split up those two methods of producing
2: yeah it's 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 funny because when I first started making music, I was making hip hop beats for my friends because they were all rappers and then I went to EDC and like just absolutely fell in love with dance music and that's when I was making all those remixes and stuff like that um but like I said there's like phases in your producer like career and right now I'm seven years into producing and I'm finally starting to make the music that I like it's, it's super personal and super um, unique to me, you know what I mean? It's my sound, and with Jilly, um a lot of the times she would either send me a track that she has that's acoustic. It's usually just her singing on a guitar or something like that, or um, I send her a beat, and she either likes it or not and like decides to write on it um and actually, we have a song coming out next month, and the way that's like set up was she sent me. A rough demo of, because she produces as well. And she sent me a rough demo of her song and her production and stuff like that. And she said, you know, if you can maybe make some changes here and there or make some type of, just make it more like your style. Um, and that was probably the most collaborative song we've had together in terms of different meshing our producing styles and meshing our songwriting styles.
0: Right. So here's a, here's a question for you is like, so when you listen to a lot of like well-known producers, like you can tell, like, and I I guarantee all of us here, because of how much we listen to, especially kind of the EDM world, like you can tell just from the, like the stems of each song, who is behind that producer, like who is behind that song, just by listening to it. So the question for you is like, what's kind of your, like, have you found that unique thing that is like in every song that is your kind of style like you could tell a two friend song from a marshmallow song from a millennium song just from the stems used in
2: it yeah no i totally know what you mean um and that's what i'm learning right now which is super exciting i mean like i said it took me seven years to figure out how to do that but um now my style is in every song i do especially the, the um the ones with jilly and the uh like future songs that are coming out soon, they all have some type of like funky driving bass line. And usually the drums are the main, the drums and the vocals obviously are the main driver of the song. I love like hard hitting drums, punchy drums, you know what I mean? Cool. Something that'll make your speakers pop. Cool, I like that. I like that. Uh, that's
1: sweet. Um, I kind of want to shift gears for a second and talk about playlisting. Um, Mark, obviously, I have reached out to you on multiple occasions about, you know, playlisting and services and things like that. Um, Generally speaking, for you, what is playlisting and what does it do for you and your music?
2: Playlisting is huge right now for independent artists because it's kind of taking the power away from, you know, the big labels um, where in a sense they were the gatekeepers and you have to go through them to get your music heard by a large amount of people. But now there are with Spotify and Apple music, there are services and, and just people in general who just make their own playlists that you can pitch your music to, um, that have pretty huge followings, honestly, like maybe not the editorial playlists, but the, um, the smaller independent playlists, they have enough power to get you heard by a lot of people you know and it's just you have to find playlists that have artists and songs that are similar to you obviously um so it takes a a bit of research and it also takes a bit of research to figure out which playlists are um using bots and using like fake streams and stuff like that because it's it's very hard to tell but um if you do enough research on it, and if you talk to people that are in in the industry and have used certain playlists and would recommend certain playlists, then um, I would go with that. But it's, you really gotta watch out for those like fake streaming bot playlists, you know.
1: And, you know, you touched on it a little bit, um, but how do you as the artist kind of figure out the fake versus the, the fake versus the real? Because we, you and I, have talked about this, and I don't want to name any business names here, but
2: yeah, yeah, no, I mean, right now, I've I've had two songs out, so it's trial and error at this point. Um, but I did have a successful one that was all organic, you know, um, and you can really tell with the the uh, the playback ratio or like the saves if you go into your your Spotify for artist page and like look at the. Plays and look at the saves and look at the monthly listeners. You can kind of tell, you know, if there's like twenty thousand plays and like five saves, it's probably not a good look. You know, it's probably like some bots that are just playing um, that they have computer generated. But um, yeah, it's mostly like word of mouth, like asking other producers, even if you don't know them, but you like their music and their music is similar to you, hit them up on on Instagram DM, slide in their DMs. You know what I mean, like hit them up on Twitter, hit them up on SoundCloud. If they have a SoundCloud, you know, uh, that's the biggest thing because you, you gotta, there, there are red flags that'll pop up, you know, if they hit you up personally and and are like, Hey, we have a playlist and, um, it's a hundred bucks to get on or something like that. It's, that's probably, you know, that's red flag. Number one. Um, you gotta be smart with it. Uh, there's a lot of, youtube videos talking about it and like articles just online that you could look up um but it's tough it definitely is tough i
0: I was gonna say two things about that one yeah definitely everyone listening slide in people's dms (laughs) (laughs) i mean like i'm definitely the king of it i have no shame in it but like it's because it works like it really does work and if you're real about it it works like exactly have a real conversation with people like it works um but, yeah, the other thing, um, too, is, like, yeah, if someone hits you up, is like, yo, I, want your, I will put your song on my playlist for $100. bucks. That is not real. <laughs> no real curator will guarantee you a song placement. If they'll say, hey, submit your song, like, I'll listen to it for a buck or something through one of the websites, well, okay, that's legit. But if they're just putting every song on the playlist, that's not real. Cause they have a brand to put together. You have a brand to put together. The brand's aligned. It's there. Um, But yeah, I agree. That's that's definitely a red flag. They're guaranteeing a placement. Yeah.
2: And almost sometimes if they guarantee plays too, I know a lot of reputable, reputable services actually do guarantee plays. um, But it's all an estimate and they tell you it it might take 30 days. It might take 90 days. Um, But that's another red flag that you got to watch out for, you know?
0: yeah Um, nothing's ever guaranteed in marketing that's what we tell people a lot of time with like artist public because we have the curator hub and people reach out to us and be like oh i paid but i didn't get a placement i'm like i'm sorry man like that's that's the world of marketing like nothing nothing in marketing is guaranteed like we will by the end of the summer we will probably have 15 different marketing services and only one of them will actually be guaranteed ish Cause it's ads (laughs) like it's literally Facebook ads and email lists and stuff like that. But, but anything else, any blog submissions, any playlist submissions, influencer submissions, everything, nothing is guaranteed in the world of marketing. You have to have the good content first. And then if you have the good content, then the good marketing strategies will work. But if you have a really great marketing strategy, but not good content, then it's not guaranteed. Yeah.
1: Exactly. All right. And so this is actually something that i don't know the answer to, um, and I'm curious if you do uh for these playlists you know are you guaranteed a time on the playlist you know three weeks, one week, a month, or is it just kind of like once another song comes on it'll eventually bump yours off mm,
2: it's It's different for every uh playlist and for every curator, but most of the time um they guarantee you. X amount of plays, and depending on how long it takes you to get those plays, if it takes you 30 days, then they'll take you off. It's if it takes you 90 days, then it, they'll take you off. um I don't know if playlists have a uh, a time kind of uh like cutoff. Like if you only have 4,000 plays after a certain amount of days, and that's their cutoff, I guess you're sol. You know, but um, I think most of the time it's like once you hit those plays, you're they'll either decide to keep you on the playlist if they really are vibing with your song or they'll just take you off. So it's more based on plays than it is timeliness. I think so, yeah.
1: Okay. Cool. Um I'm gonna switch gears again on you because I like doing that. Um but uh so you know being independent, right? You know, I know you have your manager, um, but you know, independent by definition is really more like label less um so you know when you are independent and you have to do all of these extra things like research and you know taking your time out of your day to do all of the things and not focus on music how does that affect your music production skills you know does it make you appreciate it more or you know do you just feel like man i wish i had somebody else to kind of come in and just do all this crappy research for me
2: yeah, I guess it's good that I'm doing it myself. So I can have somewhat of an idea, you know, until then I can outsource for that. Um, but it's, it's a lot, you know, you need a team behind you and you need, because there's only so much you can do in a day. And for me personally, if I'm producing, that's what I'm doing that day. You know, I can't really balance between producing and then marketing and then, planning out a, a release and then something like that. It's its tough for me to compartmentalize those different things. So I usually take a day for release scheduling and, and planning and marketing, stuff like that. And then I have a production day and then I flip flop between those. Um, and research is always tough because there's a lot of conflicting information out with certain things, but um, yeah, I really, I, I think it's valuable to do it by yourself initially, but I can't wait to outsource to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nick? No, I'm just I'm just thinking about the, the management side of the question. But yeah, no, I mean that and that's that's kind of the same thing. I mean, when we built the platform, we interviewed like five hundred people and that was the thing that came up was so many people were like, I like being independent now but I don't want to be independent forever (laughs) Uh, because yeah, you get to that point where you need the help. Um, But you can still also be very successful and be like, I I mark a clear difference between an independent artist and a non-independent artist in the sense of who is signing the contract. Is it the artist making the contract to hire the record label for a release or hire the marketer for a release? or is it the marketing agency building the contract for the artist to sign? And that's, that's what I determine as like, are you 150% independent or not? Are you building the contracts and having someone else sign it? Or are you the one signing the contracts? Um, and yeah, it, you know, there's, there's a big difference in that because it really comes down to also who has the creative control over what you're putting out. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's a thing, like, that's a big thing that I always advise artists is, like, get a good team around you, but at the same time, make sure that you have the control, because I've seen a lot of guys with a lot of talent get buried in bad management firms and go nowhere. Um, and it's really, it's really sad. <laughs> it's really sad.
2: It happens a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. And, like, nevertheless, the amount of guys like I have that are close friends will, like, hit me up and be like yo, I just got effed over by a contract. Can you read this and try to help me get out of it? And it's like, the fuck. <laughs> like, these yeah.
2: contracts, they're, they're, they're sneaky with that kind of stuff too, man. They, oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. They are because they,
0: they don't care. Um, they know you're not going to understand it. Um, and they just put it in front of your face. They throw some big numbers at you. They're, your first six months, you're doted on like you're a new baby. And then after that, if you don't produce in that first six months, gone.
2: Yeah, I just want to say right now, PSA, any producers or artists do not sign any contracts without a yes. lawyer, some type of entertainment lawyer. Like, they yeah. will trap you for a long time with that.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, they will. They'll lock you in a contract for five years, and then they'll kill your career of that five years if you're not producing anything good in, like, that first six months because in that, in two weeks then later, after they sign your contract, they're going to sign someone else. And if that person's better than you all their attention's going on them, not on you. They don't care. They're still getting your money anyways. Um, and yeah, you just sit there and die as more, as morbid as that sounds. Yeah, you know, it's-, it's completely, it's completely possible that that one contract is your career done over.
2: Especially in today's like TikTok generation, they're looking for what's hot this, this month, you know, and then they'll move on. You know, it's so quick to, just change from artist to artist. Like the artist career is like, it usually was like a couple of years where they were like really pop and now it's like a couple months, you know?
3: Yeah.
1: And that's why it's really important to have quality content and not just in the music. And I mean, everything, you know, you want to have quality photo, quality video, quality text that you accompany with all of that stuff. You know, you, you want to show and prove even if you're not a part of a label that you have
0: value. Yeah. It's also important that artists need to learn to trap their fans because in the world of TikTok, get yes, anyone can blow up on TikTok because of how the algorithm works. But that also means that just because you blew up once, your next video can suck and your next 30 videos can suck and they can go nowhere. So if you don't trap your fans, Off that one video that blows up, you're dead, you're done. Move on, the next person has the spotlight, and it didn't matter as much before because you know the algorithms usually show you things you like. Like Spotify, you listen to an artist, you're gonna get similar artists. TikTok is just a wild west, (laughs) It's, it's download gate systems, it's entry engagement gates, it's a whole new algorithm that no one's ever seen before. And it works really well, but it also kills very well. And if, and you know, you can see the same things on SoundCloud where an artist blows up and then they die off. But you're seeing it even now, yeah, with TikTok even more because if you are not converting that person more than just a follow, if you're not getting them to click a link in their bio and somehow engage with you on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, text list, email list, album music, whatever, they're gone. They're gone forever. You're never gonna get them back. Um, and I think that's a big thing with artists is they don't know that multi-dimension of catching a fan. And, yeah, it is, it is really important to make sure you're, you're putting out that quality content so you can get on it. But when you get on it, you need to be ready to catch them because you have no idea when is going to blow up. And then how are you going to catch them to keep coming back so you don't lose that train and die? Because, yeah, a million streams makes you a couple grand a million streams every month over the next 10 years well you never have to work a day job in your life um and and that's the difference a lot of people chase the million now but it's way more valuable to have that million over time and i mean christian i think talking back on later podcasts i think the best example of that was jay wright he's just focused on just catching over time and now he's quit his job he works full time like you know like as a music artist and he has his fans. He's like, I'm happy with it. I grow 200 new followers on Spotify a month, and I'm happy with it. And I'm just going to keep growing this cycle, and it's going to keep growing the fan base. And, yeah, in 10 years, I'll be an overnight success. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the reality. That I think everyone listening needs to learn, like, do your research, how to trap a fan.
2: Right, and it's, it's overwhelming at first because you're like, you think you have to have a million fans or something like that. Yeah. But there's actually this thing called—I forget who wrote it. It's called a thousand true fans. If you have a thousand people who are 100% invested in you, will buy all your tickets to your shows, all your merch, all your albums, and stuff like that. If they all they have to spend is what is that? A hundred dollars a year, and you make six figures just for that's—you'll support yourself just with a thousand fans. You know? Yeah. Yeah. it's not as—it's that- not as. It's not as I mean, it's, it's going to take a lot of work to do that, but that's where your whole branding comes in. You have to, like – you can have great content, great music, but you need to have a reason for your listeners to care about who you are as a as an artist, as a person, you know. Yeah. And if you can trap those fans, then it's like,
0: okay, you got a 1,000 coming on streams. So you're making a couple hundred bucks on Spotify, a couple hundred bucks on Apple a year, whatever. But then you're getting them to buy a $30 hoodie because they're loyal, and you continue – Like, you can literally go on pngtree.com. You can download free PNGs. You can put it on Printful. You can make a dope hoodie, not have to hold any hoodies in stock. You can make 20 bucks profit per hoodie, and you can sell a good quality hoodie. And that's not just a hoodie with your name on it, like an actual good-style quality hoodie that someone's going to buy. So now you're making money on streams. You're making money on a hoodie. Then all you need to do is get a 100-cap music venue which you can rent out for about 500 bucks a night, put it down, sell tickets for 15 bucks, sell a hundred tickets, make a thousand dollars profit. And then you just keep doing that. And then, you know, and and that's a big thing across the board is then guess what? Those hundred fans, they brought a friend. And now you have 150 people in Connecticut that like you and 150 people in New York and 150 people in Florida. And yeah, before you know it, you like, you do not need... 30,000 fans to be wealthy on music. I mean, even in, I mean, I always go back to the examples, but in Connecticut, you have two, three, four guys that have, to half the world, they're probably unknown. But to a lot of people that are lower in the music industry, they they know these people, they respect these people, but guess what? They don't work a job. (laughs)
3: Like,
0: music is their career. They're successful. They do 500-cap venue tours. And they probably make middle to high six figures. And still, more than probably 80% of consumers don't even know who they are.
2: There's and so I mean, many, there's 7 billion people in this world, you know? You just need like a, a, a few hundred, a thousand, and that's all you gotta get, and you're good yeah. to go. There's that's so all many. You, need.
3: You,
1: you don't need to be Eminem. You don't need to be Drake, you know? Like, you as an artist, like, if you're. If you are in it for the right reasons, if you are doing it because you love making music and that's all that you want to do for the rest of your life, everything that we just said applies. Yeah. You don't need a lot. Yeah. You can, make, you can make money for the rest of your life doing what you love.
0: Yeah. With that being said, Christian, I just realized we don't have the free version of this anymore, so that's why we weren't getting a timer. Um, so. so But I did look at my clock we're getting to that time about the end of the podcast so because uh i never got cut off and i was like oh we even gotten cut off uh because um, your boy bought it <laughs> um, so <laughs> but yeah so with that being said before i wrap up uh mark is there anything you want us to know listeners to know final thoughts new music whatever
2: Say it now or forever, hold your peace. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I'm super excited. I have so much music coming out at the end of this year, or the, or the second half of the year. Like I said, I have a song with another song with Jilly coming out at the uh, towards the end of July. And then I actually have an EP coming out um, at the end of the summer. It's a collaborative EP with uh, me and Damien C. You met Damien, right, Christian? Yeah, yeah, Damien. Yeah. yeah, we have a collaborative EP coming out at towards the end of the summer. And then we have a bunch of other uh, releases coming out uh, after that in October, November, December. So super excited just to just put out all this music. I've been working a long time on. So,
1: where can uh, where can our viewers find you?
2: Um, I'm Farco Music, uh, F-A-R-C-O on all socials. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, Spotify under Farco, Apple Music under Farco, all all DSPs. You can find me. Awesome
1: cool oh, man well uh we'll end it here i'm gonna ask you to stay on for like a couple minutes after we end the recording um but uh my... yep. what's that
3: i just I ended my recording
1: okay but it, thanks again man i really appreciate you coming on yeah, yeah thanks That's young, for having me on guys absolutely give you a little bit of press while we're at it you know it's like
3: i'm turning into someone doesn't see themselves as worthy. You think you can treat me wrong, and it's okay. You talk. the distance did you invite me because you're lonely gave you my heart with no resistance you got to wall trying to keep it low-key